0: You're listening to Consolidate That. Ukraine is my motherland. It is now under a savage attack by Russia. Ukraine is shielding Europe and the rest of the civilized world from Putin's barbaric aggression. Ukrainians are brave and effectively fighting back. Let's help. Make a donation to armed forces of Ukraine link is in the show notes hashtag stand with ukraine
1: welcome back to consolidate that ivan it's a a great day we're recording the the day at, right after halloween and it's nice to see you recovered from all of your zombie bites that afflicted you yesterday and uh i'm looking forward to seeing what sort of cool stuff we're going to learn from our guests today
0: yeah i'm glad to see you too still wearing your costume Or or is that on a costume?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I see you have on your bald cap. Oh, no, wait. It's just natural.
0: (laughs) All right. With that, I'm very excited to have our guest today because this is a repeat guest. And uh, he is always uh, into the new projects and uh, always on the front of the innovation in our industry. So I'm happy to reintroduce Andrew Schultz. Andrew is the Director of Business Development and Clinical Services for Midmark Animal Health and Project Director for Midmark Academy. He currently serves on the board of directors for the Foundation for Veterinary Dentistry as the representative of industry. Andrew started his work at Bidmark as a director of monitoring and critical care following the 2008 acquisition of Sharn Veterinary. He was president and CEO of Sharn Veterinary. He holds a master's degree in business administration with an emphasis on marketing and entrepreneurship and began his career as a CPA with Arthur Anderson and Company. Andrew, welcome to the show again. Thank you for coming back. Thank you. Great to be here. So you're doing all these cool things in dentistry. And that's one of those areas that for me stayed the mystery after graduation because we never learned about dentistry in best school. Surprise, surprise. And then leading to uh, me being passionate about critical care, still didn't learn anything about dentistry. So that's why that's a big black box for me. And, uh, and that's something thank you for developing that in our industry. And uh, as we talked about it last time you sort of have this end to end process to uh, implement dentistry in the clinics from just an idea to, you know, the equipment to training to marketing like the whole sort of end-to-end workflow. Now, one of those things that I know that I wanted to jump in now is that um, reportedly the most difficult thing for development of the dentistry is not even training the teams because that's also a problem, but actually selling it to the pet owners. And the biggest fear and the difference between the you know regular dental once a year or twice a year appointments with your regular dentist is anesthesia. So is that still a problem? And how do you overcome that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, last time we were on the podcast, we talked about building a successful dentistry program, and and like you said, training the entire team. But um, fear of anesthesia is actually listed as the number one uh, obstacle or objection that pet owners have once they get the recommendation, of course, we talked last time about, you know, first we got to recommend dentistry, <laughs> but once, once it is, you know, people are worried about, uh, anesthesia and, 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 and some of that is because a lot of times they're not heeding or getting the recommendation until the pets are older with a lot of oral, you know, issues. Um, but also just because of, uh, general experience in, you know, their interactions with their pets and their, and their veterinarians, as far as the anesthesia goes. Um, and the flip side of that is I believe that some of the issue is that um, many of the clinical staffs uh, and teams in, in veterinary medicine aren't that uh, confident in their anesthetic skills. Uh, it's, it's an area of stress and anxiety for them. And because of that, um, you know, their, their recommendations aren't as strong as they could be if they, you know, had their uh, skills and competencies shored up in that area.
0: So, you know, I remember my conversations, and again, it's a different pitch. I always talk about you know, if I were to refer to our medicine as the sales process, which I think it is, everything is a sales process. When I was in ER, that was the least of the concern because when you have a head by car with a bleeding abdomen and chest simultaneously, the worry about anesthetic as the part of the process of fixing it. it is always like we have to do it. Now here you're doing an elective procedure and you're making recommendations, so I assume that paramount importance to make and to get there with the comfort with the blood work. But then also, what is that pitch? Because I know that. Usually general practitioners, when they're talking about spaying neuter, there's a big conversation about anesthesia. What is that talk track that the technicians and the doctors can feel more comfortable pitching it and then not making it such a big deal, especially if it's a young and healthy pet? What do you recommend in this sort of program that you roll out, roll out to practices?
2: Well, it's interesting you bring this up because you know one of the challenges we have in making that paradigm um, connection with the with the pet owner is for them, when you go to your dentist, you know, you sit there in the chair and you hold your mouth open and they do their, their business and, and they're done. But uh, our patients aren't compliant in that way. They can't you know, keep their mouths open for an hour, um, and certainly aren't gonna let you, you know, probe and chart and everything that needs to be done. And so that's that's why it's necessary to have that conversation uh, about anesthesia, because these procedures, um, especially when you're talking about what's now known as the core procedure, the comprehensive oral radiograph evaluation, in other words, um, because, you know, 80 percent of, of the uh, anatomy uh, of the, uh, you know, the teeth is under the gum line, um, you know, disease can't necessarily be detected visually in the exam room, um, and and that's why, you know, it's, it's important to have that annual core procedure so that we're going to not only clean and probe and chart the mouth, but we're going to take uh, dental radiographs, and all that has to be done under anesthesia, and so the practice team is when they're trained in dentistry properly. Um, when they've been through one of our programs, certainly, or or you know others, uh, where they are confident in their dental skills and and are following best practices in that area, that's all part of the conversation. Um, but you know, oftentimes when the pet owner brings up um, the anesthesia discussion, you know, it's a matter of you know how that practice team is is trained, and, and unfortunately, what we've learned over the years is uh, most you know in, in terms of uh, of The general practice most um, veterinary technicians uh, perform as the anesthetist, you know, in that procedure. So the you know the doctors are are managing the overall um, uh, pharmacology, the drugs, you know, all that sort of thing. But when it comes down to actually implementing the anesthetic uh, management of that patient during the procedure, monitoring, hands-on monitoring, um, charting, and everything else, that's the technician team. And in our research and and just through observation and just common knowledge in, in the veterinary industry most of the technicians are are trained on the job they learn on the job there and even even those that are uh, credentialed uh, there was a study that i looked at um it was a a survey of of credentialed veterinary technicians around their comfort in monitoring uh you know an anesthesia and even the credentialed technicians wish they had more time in school learning about how to overcome anesthetic complications how to respond to the patient alarms that are going off and you know that's something that um that we're attuned to, because um, as part of Midmark and supporting our anesthesia monitoring equipment, we employ a, a clinical support team. so These are highly trained technicians um, that still do relief practice in emergency clinics that are able to um, troubleshoot problems, you know, over the phone. And they literally take thousands of calls a year uh, when people have questions or trouble with their anesthesia equipment, and Oftentimes, in fact, we've we're, we've been tracking this for the last two years scientifically, um, more than 75% of these calls could have been avoided had they been following a simple checklist. For instance, if, um, if we go back to the 2020 anesthetic guidelines that was published by the American Animal Hospital Association, um, it, was, uh, it was focused uh, predominantly on how to avoid adverse events through using checklists and, and making sure the teams are properly trained. And so that's where we began to merge the um the idea of our you know entire team uh, dental training and the idea of training everybody in anesthesia. So we have a uh, a level set um, baseline of competency and confidence in anesthesia monitoring so that when they're making those dental recommendations to the pet owners, if you know somebody has a question or a concern about anesthesia they're they're prepared to uh, address that um talking about the best practices that they follow and the protocols that they um, they follow in uh, in anesthesia monitoring to make sure that those pets are kept as safe as possible uh, during the procedure so
1: Andrew, um earlier, I think you you mentioned sort of at the beginning there the concerns that come from the pet parent. And Mm -hmm. I'm not a technician. I don't think anyone should go under anesthesia by me under any situation. Even if you trained me, I wouldn't trust me. But um, as a pet owner, I I find that a lot of times my comfort comes from sort of the confidence in the provider. Um, How do you think that the training that you all do and the communication skills that you give the, the technicians and the teams translates into that confidence to the
2: pet owner? That's a great question. I think, uh, you know, it it starts with and I'll tell you where we started after taking, you know, taking those calls, tracking, you know, what was uh, uh, the, you know, the common issues that people have when they call in. um, And these are people using our anesthesia monitoring equipment. We discovered that, uh, you know, like I said, 75 percent of them could have been avoided by uh, using a checklist. Um, checklist and the aha guidelines, um, our team actually built in a proprietary checklist into our latest vital signs monitor. So a lot of people will survey them and we'll talk to them in, uh, you know at the trade shows or in, in practice or whatever, we'll ask them, are they using checklists? And you know some do, some don't, some have a checklist, but they don't always follow it. So we built one into the, uh, the monitor so that when somebody starts an anesthetic case, it just pops up and we use it as a closed loop communication tool. You know more than anything. So, did you do a leak test? Did you reopen the APL safety valve after the leak test? Did you check your oxygen level and so forth? And these are you know common issues that, unless you're following a checklist in the busy, chaotic environment of typical veterinary practice, could easily be missed or overlooked. Um, And so, those you know that's kind of where it starts. And and so, about five or six years ago, we decided that there was only so much we could do over the phone we were handling these calls. And we began to look um, for ways that we could develop, uh, you know, best practices training. And the first training that we put together was, uh, was was we got the slide deck configured and it was like 150 slides on best practice for anesthesia. And that's when we realized uh, there's a lot, and we, we went in and piloted a couple of these and it was just way too much. Um, and we realized because of the varied experience levels of the staff, even an individual clinic, we, we had to dial it back to really the foundational basics again. So the, the first step was to, you know, and, and the first half day course that we came out with was um, it was anesthesia monitoring one on one. It was all about the operation, the maintenance and the troubleshooting of the anesthesia machine and the monitor itself, because uh, a lot of the problems we see, you know, when somebody and, and we still get calls, um, you know, every week, how can I turn off these alarms permanently? like which, which alarm is going off exactly. And and why are you wanting to turn it off? Um, A lot of those alarms are, are set off because of failure to maintain the anesthesia equipment or something they missed in the anesthesia equipment that ends up working its way through the patient, unfortunately, uh, to a point where then a patient or vital signs alarm is going off. So, you know, that's, that's where we started. So it was like, let's get that, handled first and then we we introduced a second uh, half of the day which is like anesthesia management 201 which is um you know more about the pharmacology and and actually troubleshooting those alarms when they go off um but when we discovered the simulation training it took us to a whole new level so if you'd like i could tell you a little bit about that
0: well that's kind of what i wanted to probe so from my selfish sort of galaxy vets uh wearing hat perspective um if if you're out there a veterinarian that is about to shop the equipment and you go and you buy you know anesthetic monitor from someone they may not know how much of other things that Midmark does and your programs, so what is available? So the way I'm thinking about it, we're partnering with new clinics and the anesthesia, as you said, all over the place, from excellent to not so much. Uh, different equipment, you know, turned off alarms on the on the monitors. I love that, by the way. Uh, yeah, how do you how do you take the batteries out of the smoke detector? That's that's what you're talking So. The, um, so for those that don't know how these program works and for those that are building maybe a group like we do, where is there an opportunity to partner with you in at the time when we are buying the hospital or partnering with the hospital to actually do this sort of like check over what is my, what is our anesthesia practices and how do we implement it? Is there a service that MidMIC provides? And if we see the gaps to create those standards of care that you already have a wonderful program for, how can we leverage that um, as, the, as the console leader when we have rapid partnership with hospitals to bring those standards up to the level? Or is it just buying a monitor? That's the only thing that we can do and then get all those <laughs> programs. Like is it? No, is it no, no, no. Well, I mean, you're, not.
2: You're, you're talking about a fairly unique situation. I mean, obviously there's other groups like yours that is, you know, that are acquiring hospitals. And I think, you know, we talked about this last time with the dentistry opportunity. Um, that they're I, I think what, it might be a valuable evaluation as you're going into that partnership just to understand where they are and what might be needed to uh you know bring them up to you know a level where all confident with and 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 comfortable with as far as you know the anesthetic care and 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 monitoring and and equipment and training and whatnot. And so um, you know, certainly, you know, the things that we build into this monitor, besides the checklist, you know, there was another thing um we get calls all the time about the soda line. People will ask, like, you know, or we'll ask them like, when was the last time you changed your soda line? Because if they're monitoring in title CO2, you know, they'll be able to see that that and we'll get calls like, "Hey, this is reading really high," and that's one of the first questions we ask. You know, did you change your absorbent? And we'll get responses like, "Well, well, yeah, we we change it when what it is the <laughs> What so, is soda lime? What is yeah, soda lime <laughs> is a is an absorbent material that scrubs in a closed circuit system, uh, closed breathing system. It it scrubs the CO2 out so that the patient is not rebreathing that CO2. Um, and so if uh, it, but it has a and we learn this. Um, you know through the calls we were getting and we connected with the manufacturer of the the substance it's got a 2 week shelf life and so you know each anesthesia machine manufacturer will will have a prescribed um, frequency of changing that soda lime and for the matrix the midmark matrix machines it's 8 to 12 hours of anesthesia time and so you know, supposedly the, you know, the, uh, the practices are supposed to be keeping track of that anesthesia time. Oftentimes they'll have a, a, a tape or a label or something on the machine that will have a date and a time, you know, so that they can keep track of when they need to change it next. Um, on average, the, you know, the, the, a general practice, you know, under average surgical procedure time during the week, you know, should probably be changing it weekly. But when we ask a lot of people, they're like, oh, we change it monthly or we wait. And now it has a, um, a reactionary, uh, at least uh, the brand that we use called SodaSorb um, reacts to that chemical uh, exchange um, by turning a purple color. And so, and that's, you know, kind of a known uh, property of, of this substance so that when, you know, somebody's using it, they'll, and we'll ask them like, when do you change it? So we wait for that color change. What many people don't understand though, is that color change is temporary. So that just tells you that it's, absorbing the CO2 in process. But after a day or two, it reverts back to the normal white color. And after 14 days, it's totally desecrated and will not absorb anything else, but it also won't change color again. And so, you'll know, you have people that will wanna buy um, soda lime in large five gallon containers for economies. It's gonna be cheaper when you buy it in bulk that way. But what they don't understand is once they crack that lid, they've got about 14 days before the ambient air reacts with that soda lime that's remaining in that tub. And it, it's desecrated after two weeks, but they might not know and keep using that. And if they're not monitoring entitled CO2, which a lot of, you know, probably, I don't know, 25, 30, 40% of the practices still do not monitor entitled CO2 routinely. They won't know that their patient is rebreathing CO2. And so, you know, that's, it's one of those messages we get out so what we did on this new monitor is we built a, a reminder a weekly reminder just pops up hey did you change your soda, soda line do you have fresh soda line so you know that was another tool that we uh we built into the monitor to address something that's very common and and not well known as far as how that operates
0: but for the for the program so you have this this sort of program of anesthesia simulation workshop is that something that any practice can contact Midmark and say, can you run this shop? And there's there's a fee associated with it. Or how does that work? How do you roll it out?
2: Yeah. So, well, let me tell you a little bit about the background from it. So, you know, again, one of the challenges you have with, you know, practice teams that are learning on the job or even veterinarians who graduate from vet school, you know, unless you're talking about a lecture you know, on how to overcome anesthetic complications, it's really difficult to simulate real life experiences, and so the challenge there is, and people end up learning those things on people's pets, and no bueno, right? And so, um, an anesthesiologist, Dr. Robert Keegan at Washington State University, he was trying to come up with a way, and he was a, uh, he's a, you know, computer tinkerer, and 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 built a simulated program that would allow the operator to um, manipulate the readings on a mock anesthesia monitor screen in response to student actions. And he created a pilot program for them to, um, you know, teach anesthesia and overcoming anesthetic complications, responding in kind. And this was like five or six years ago and ended up after two or three years of, you know, just everybody signing up for it because it became so popular, they just built it into their second year program. It's like a, I think a 12 week, uh, simulation program, but he, uh, I've been, uh, in, in contact with him for a while and he learned how to take it on the road. Uh, a local tech program asked if they could, um, you know, see how that would operate, if he could do a lab for them. And when he did, you know, the light bulb went off, like how hey, we could take this in clinic, like we do with, um, uh, with the dentistry program and train entire teams this way. And it started by first, we sponsored Dr. Keegan's simulation labs at IVAX. In fact, the last uh, three years, we've sponsored him at IVAX. This past year, um, we sponsored his simulation lab at the dental forum. And again, at uh, uh, AHA Connexity, I think we did last year as well. So the interesting thing there is they'll have a lab, that goes in the afternoon, there's like 16 participants. They're just ad hoc people that have signed up for this lab that attended this conference. And just watching this, you know, the participants get into groups of four and they go through these scenarios, the anesthetic cases um, is uh, is really eye-opening because, you know, when they suspend their disbelief and they've got the stuffed animal in front of them, but they've seen this monitor and they're pretending it's real. And they start sweating, their heart rate goes up. You can tell they're like, you know, as they're presented with these different um, anesthetic cases. And my message to them at the end as a sponsor of the program is like, hey, you know, as cool as you thought this was here, imagine being able to bring this back into your clinic and doing this with your entire team. Because, you know, again, it's, it's about that teamwork in a practice, you know, between the veterinarians and the technicians. Being able to communicate properly, knowing everybody's roles, and just level setting that, um, you know that that anesthetic uh, uh, skill set knowledge, so that everybody's working as a team together, the same goal. And and the cool thing about the simulated environment is, you could try things, you could make mistakes. Um, you know, one of the, uh, the other primary rule besides, uh, suspending disbelief is Vegas rules. So what goes on in simulation training stays in simulation training. And so you have, you know, new staff or even experienced staff that, you know, just hadn't encountered a certain situation before. If they don't know, they could say, Hey, um, you know, why don't we try this drug or why don't we try responding in this way to what they're seeing, you know, with the vital signs and some of the other things that are going on. And the operator could then show them like, Hey, if it was the wrong decision, this is, you know, either the patient's improving and, uh, you know, and or getting worse and, and, and they could even pause and stop in the minute. I mean, you can't do that in a normal day-to-day surgery case. You know, if something's going on and you don't, know how to handle it or what to do you can't like pause and say okay let's you know i mean there's a patient in the balance right in computer games you can't save and restore <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> you lose <Exactly>. yeah. <laughs> yeah but it gets one life in this one so that's um right. yeah so that's that's been uh that's been really exciting to see that and so yes we we've got it we've kind of combined uh what originally was the half day and full day anesthesia monitoring 101 and 201 we put a little bit online so we have some kind of level set uh, you know modules ahead of time before we come in um we do a survey ahead of time to find out you know um how that practice is operating what equipment they have what drugs they use so that that training could be customized and that's what's great about the training too we validated it with dr um keegan and the other uh uh, the other founder of the, the 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 software design company that built this simulation program is Dr. Julie Noyes. Um, She's a a veterinarian and a PhD in uh, psychology, but the emphasis was uh, simulated learning environments. Um, She was the previous chief learning officer for AHA, then went on to VetBloom, and now she's with the AAVMC, uh, working on competency-based veterinary uh, education. And so, super cool—we were able to partner with them and sponsor a validated a validation study for this software. And in this case, we went to a local tech program here at St. Pete College, and we started with um, a group of eight novice technicians. They had never done anything with anesthesia before. They were just getting started in their program. And, um, and we took them through a three-part um, kind of pre-test. So they, they did um, a knowledge test on you know how to overcome certain anesthetic complications. They all failed um (laughs) their efficacy self-efficacy so how do you you know are you confident that you can do these things and of course they were not very confident because they had never done them before and then we took each one one by one through this simulate these four simulation scenarios and i mean several of them were so nervous going through it that you know they almost got sick right there i mean it was like super stressful we expected that they wouldn't do very well because they had never been around it and that was fine and we tried to prepare them for that up front but anyway what we did then was we took them through this four-hour simulation training. And that's where we go through, Dr. Keegan or one of our trainers takes them through these four different cases. Um, four people uh, work together as a surgical team and they're presented with, you know, various um, common anesthetic complications, hypotension, hypercapnia, cardiac arrhythmias, trouble with the anesthesia equipment. And as they're working their way through, you know, 10 or 15 minutes through those, you know, decision points and trying to overcome that um you know they the operator could respond by you know uh making the 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 vital signs change according to how they're responding but the key part of it is afterwards then there's a debrief where we gather together as a whole team then and go through what did you see there what did you experience why did you choose to do that in response to what you were seeing what could you have done differently you know that's where like 90% of the learning happens is in that debrief and they took them through that you know those four scenarios And then a week later, gave them the three tests again, and they all passed flying colors. I mean, they, you know, they measured a huge increase in competency and confidence in those areas. It was really cool seeing some of the ones that were almost sick the first time were like, we got this, they were right there doing what they needed to do. And and again, those, those scenarios that we, um, we built were based on things that people see commonly, you know, during elective and other procedures in a general practice
0: that's wow. uh that's definitely powerful especially those scenarios I, I remember my favorite thing was when I was an er bet um, having a New technician, new grad technician, do a surgery with me. Mm-hmm. And I would create all kinds of scenarios for them on a the live page <laughs> just to see how they yeah. feel about it. Right. It was, a bit, it was a bit unfair, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I do want to circle back. So I think it's really cool. So on the front, you're equipping, you know, the uh the team with a checklist that they should look for, mm-hmm. and then and then on the back end, you're you're training them with the scenarios where things go wrong. So I think that combination should be very powerful, but and I might be jumping into, I, I think I'll be jumping into your recommendation on the book, but how did you come up with the idea of the checklists?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, that was, uh, it was funny when we, we, we launched the, uh, the monitoring, um, the new monitor with those checklists built in, uh, you know, I ordered uh, the checklist manifesto book for all of our sales teams so that they understood. In fact, uh, Atul Gawande, the, um, the author was supposed to be, he was the, the keynote speaker at the AVMA meeting in 2020. Wow, I was so excited to go, and then COVID happened, and it went virtual, and uh, I didn't get to see him. But I was going to have him sign the book. Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, checklists um, and simulation training, for that matter, has been used forever in training. You know, airline pilots. You know, military operations. Even human healthcare uses um, uh, simulation. In fact, that's where Dr. Keegan first got his uh, his idea for it, um, attending some of the uh, hospital trainings in the area up in Seattle. So um, you know, this, there's, there's, there's a huge connection to that checklist. And, and, uh, you know, that's, I, I had, um, I think that the, the interest was late and I had read the book years ago. And then when I saw the, um, the aha, uh, guidelines come out, and then I remember we were, uh, watching, um, Dr. Tammy Grubb an anesthesiologist, uh, uh, and, and Jen Sager who's a VTS and, uh, anesthesia, they were, uh, part of the team that, that helped, Write those guidelines. Uh, when we saw them introduce that to the AHA conference in live, I remember um, one of my teammates counted they they said the word checklist like twenty times. I mean, it was like, okay, I think this is important. Um, and at that point, we had already because we knew you know ahead you know sponsors of that uh, at the anesthesia monitoring guidelines, um, we knew what was coming, and and we just felt like we just needed to build a tool in to help prevent those you know situations from happening.
0: That's so cool. That's like one of my favorite books. And you know, it's just such an interesting thing with a simple checklist. And we played that I don't know if you remember, but in SmartFlow, we had that idea. So essentially, a lot of the stuff was incorporated into SmartFlow for the anesthesia purposes. So we had these tasks and then subtasks that were sort of checklist items for pre surgical preparation before you cut like, and and anyway, it's just it's just such an incredible and simple tool. And I'm really, I'm really happy that you incorporated that. So we want to be. We want to stay true to our listeners in the length of our episodes. So we're we're just in about that time. So our question that we always ask for uh, from our guests: What kind of book would you recommend to our listeners?
2: <laughs> well, that was it. Uh, <laughs> manifesto, I would say. We covered that one for sure. Yeah. So no. That's, yeah. Thank uh... you.
1: I want to ask when I can sign up to do this simulation.
0: Mm. <laughs> sounds exciting see how away. Hey, hey, maybe, technician. <laughs>
2: yeah um i one other thing i was going to add about the simulated uh you know because i talked about the validation of the brand new learners um the great thing about it is so customizable you could take it to an experienced staff too so we had a boarded veterinary dentist dr jamie burning in ohio who ordered the training for her team um she has a vts dental specialist a vts anesthetist from ohio state and a a staff that was you know veterans of 15 years a technician and we brought that in our trainers were able to you know through that pre-training checklist kind of gauge their experience level and modify so they you know in the middle of the case they could throw you know curveballs in you know and 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 challenge even experienced staff to overcome things so that's that's been really cool
0: yeah, and, and I, you know so sometimes I think if you have experienced staff that is overconfident, that initial test for them might be a little bit of a curveball to yeah. throw on the team and you know see there because they can be super confident but not necessarily super competent. So right, um, right. So and that's yeah, I think that that would be an interesting program to actually introduce. Just like I said, for the groups too, if you want to up your standards of care and then uh, and then lead with that, especially anesthesia, that's like the you know that that is the place where pets can die, so you can't undermine the the ability to that. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to have you here. You're always on the edge of, of developing some cool stuff. I'm hoping uh, they will soon uh, partner more on uh, doing these things in Galaxy Clinics. That's something that uh, that I'm looking forward to. And uh, thank you for finding the time.
2: You bet. Thank you very much. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, Andrew. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you so much for listening to Consolidate That. If you want to hear our new episodes, please find us on any podcast platform. Also, you can learn more about us on our website at galaxyvets.com.